This is CliffCentral.com. Hello, happy Monday. Monday is, of course, the best day in sports because we all get to reflect on a big weekend that's just happened. And, of course, it is the Bounce Show with me, Ben Kopinski. I am currently wearing very little clothing. I think if I were to put it onto centimeters, I'd probably have about six or seven centimeters of cloth on my privates. That is because today my first guest is going to be Mike Sharman, and we're talking about the Daredevil Run, which is something that I'm doing next month and is something I'm very proud to be a part of. One of these days I'll get this intro perfect. So I'm trying to play with music. What's it trying to do with the voice? You know, we learn as we go along here. I'm trying to attract a younger audience, as my producer Duncan said I must do. Right, so we got the Daredevil run. That's hugely exciting. Um, thankfully for many, you're not in the studio right now. I walked in the Speedo and, well, the previous show, Dusty Rich and the boys, they just, well, they scrammed like it was a plague epidemic happening. We've also got James Marsh now. James Marsh is probably the, well, when it comes to talking about cricket in England, he's the one go-to guy. He also teaches English as a profession, so he knows words that I'll never even begin to even try to pronounce. Really, really great guy, though. So insightful. He writes for a variety of uh, cricket publications, and he is the guy that I've wanted to chat to, but I've saved it till the end of the series to get his insights. I want to just basically see how... He sees this whole South African debacle being going, um, you know, what's been the key to England's success and where to for both teams, really. So James will be the second interview today. And then last but not least, we've got Dan from Conquer Sports, and I'm loving the topic he has for this week. It is, when should kids specialize in sport? Should it be early on in their life or should it be later? This is something that I think every person wants to know because some, for some people, children equal money cash cows. I know if I were to have a child, the sole reason for having a child would be to make millions as a golfer slash tennis player, something really clever like that, maybe F1, but I wouldn't bother with any team sports or anything like that. I'm just going to, um, before we get into our intro, I'm going to call the rest of the speedo guys in the studio because I'm just literally sitting here on a towel. Yes, Gareth, if you are wondering, I'm sitting on your seat in a towel, so don't worry. Everything's just okay. Okay, so um, yeah, let me just play this for a bit while I get these two uh, speedhead men sit- sitting down. Wow, this is quite a sight. Hello, Mike. <laughs> okay, Duncan, uh, which were the mics here? Two and three. Okay, testing, testing. Right. Um, okay, Mike and Warwick. You guys are, well, I'll say the three of us are quite brave individuals right now. If you go into the Cliff Central Twitter account, uh, just at cliffcentral.com, you'll see a picture of Warwick and I in Speedos. Purple Speedos on a Monday morning. Uh, is, there a, is there a better start to the day? There's no better start, Ben. Thanks for having us. Speak for yourself, Mike. I've got to say, Warwick walked in there just now. And um, this is Monday morning, okay? Some strange things happened in the Cliff Central studio. Speedoed men, maybe not the most, uh, the biggest norm, and everyone just sort of went quiet. <laughs> I, I have to tell you a little story that I, that I hope um, is not a thing. But the last time I was in a studio and the Proteas were batting, they collapsed from 16 for 9 to 83 all out. Get out of here. So, <laughs> so We'll make so, it short and sweet for you. So I'm just hoping that's, that's not going to be the case here. Cool, guys. Well, let's get in the headlines quickly, and then we'll get into what the Daredevil run's all about. Um, we, we, we do run in these exact speedos, huh? These, those are not replica ones. Those are the actual legitimate the speedos. The actual, actual ones. Okay, mm. cool. Right, so obviously the big thing of the weekend was the fact that the Proteus can still play cricket. It was quite interesting to watch that. They're going to resume um, for, yeah, now actually, because we lost a bit of time yesterday. So the resumption will be on 42 for 1 with South Africa 175 runs ahead. Very, very encouraging this, mostly because the players that we've wanted in this team have finally kind of dribble in. So Stephen Cook, 115, and he's unbeaten at the crease at the moment as well with Hashim Amla. You gotta wonder these, these pro tiers all looking so smug over the weekend, sitting in their private box in their suits going, yeah, oh, look at the guys coming through. But what they don't realize is that the fact is these guys are coming through and scoring runs. It just makes them look extra stupid that they weren't there sooner. <laughs> you know, some say Quinton Cox should never been dropped from the team. He should have been given a bit of a run. Um, 
There's two ways of looking at that, really. I think if he went to India and sort of failed like the rest of the team, the guy would have been mentally scarred for at least another two years, like Fuff and JP Dumini and all the rest of them are. It's maybe not the worst thing he was dropped, but he looks so good at the number seven position. I can't wait to see this guy kick on. And it was really great seeing some really pompous palms on Twitter. Okay, that's pretty redundant, me using those two words together. Uh, on Twitter, just having a go, like, who's this guy? Why is he in the team? Quinton Lecoq was one of them, 129 not out. So that's really exciting. Uh, there was some big bash league over the weekend, but I know you don't care too much about that. Uh, Jacques Carlos's team, they won, uh, which meant that KP, KP's team lost. I think that's how they should actually do the big bash team. Just take your star player, name it after that. Like in Japan, where they have those rugby teams, they're just called Panasonic somethings or Sony what what's or whatever. It's all just corporations. Uh, tennis, there wasn't really any big um, upsets. All the big seeds are kind of through. Uh, basically, Venus Williams and a whole bunch of other chicks. Uh, I think Sharapova now meets Williams in the quarterfinals. Djokovic had a five-setter, but he went through. Uh, Federer now plays him in the quarters. Uh, Nishikori won. Andy Murray won. So I think we'll see, well, all being well, Murray-Djokovic final. Um, it's always good seeing Andy Murray get far because there's no one has a better disappointed face than Andy. And I think no one wants a more disappointed face than fans watching Andy. So actually cricket, golf was the big thing for me of the weekend. Ricky Fowler, who is always in the cusp of greatness. People always say like, you know, he hasn't won a major yet, so he's not that great. Puts way too much time into his fashion and his clothing and all these other things. But the guy is rock solid. And when he comes under pressure like he has over the weekend, such a big event. You've got Jordan Spieth, you've got Roy McIlroy, you've got Henrik Stenson. You got all these massive players, and it comes the weekend, and he came through. Solid gold, such a great champion, and so good for the game. He's now fourth in the world, world rankings, and the average age for the top four, 25.8. That's where you want a sport to be. You want these young guys running through, and I really hope sports networks around the world take heed of this and maybe lower the commentary rate, um, age from 75 to 40, 45, 50. Nothing worse than hearing these old guys just doddering on on a Sunday when you've actually got the most exciting sport, the cleanest, the most integrity-fueled sport going, and you get these old farts dotting on about birds and back in my day with persimmon. Uh, anyway, uh, two more stories before we get into our first interview. The first is that Fuff actually had an altercation with a boost-up angry fan after the Wanderers test. So as they were all leaving in the bus, some guy was literally hanging out of his corporate box window and an Afrikaans who was just saying to the players, you're all cuck, you must pay back the money. Um, you know, he was having a right rant. So Faf was like, no, screw this. He then said to the guy, come down, let's talk about it. But Faf's from Pretoria. I think he knows his way around a fist fight. And um, so the guy was just kept on tuning him, tuning him. And then the Proteus security manager went up and actually grabbed this guy, brought him down. And him and Faf had a chat. And they ended, obviously, in handshakes rather than fisticuffs. Because all these oaks in the brain in Coke, they, they love a good chirp. And they'll tune players, all kinds of things. But then come face to face. And good on you, Faf, for showing the credit for this. Because there's a guy who actually does care about the fact the team's losing. He's doing really badly. So good on you, Faf. And um, there is talk of the security guard having roughed the guy up. But there's no confirmation of that. I think he just looked like that because he just drank so much brandy. His face was red to start with. And then um, it looks like Liflung may be coming back to the Bulls. Uh, Derek Hochart, the now lesser-known Hochart, ever since Francois got more tattoos and now plays in the Seventh Circuit. Uh, the Bulls fly-off um, scenario is so dire that uh, Liflung is, well, he's still 33, so he's still got maybe a little bit of go on his legs. He had a really terrible Achilles tendon injury, which then ruled him out in 2012, and he essentially just then retired and then got divorced and yeah look he probably needs a bit of a bit of a pep talk this guy just to get back in the mix so he might be coming back he's seeing specialists to see if he has the wear and tear to get through this which are not looking good for the uh, for the bulls of course they've lost andre pollard for a month because he went to japan those are your big stories wait hang on a second there's more what's this oh they don't sound very happy all right, it's the angry crowd of Louis van Gaal fans. Oh, gosh. Not going well for this guy at all, is it? Man United, they lost again. This is outside of his house right now, actually. Sure, it's angry, angry people there. Of course, Man United, they lost 1-0 to Southampton. Oh, it doesn't get any better for them, does it? That's at home. They can't score goals, but when Rooney scored one, well, he had his third son. So if there's a silver lining, or orange in their case, then there it is. Right, if you want to get into any more of the sports, catch uh, my sport from the morning show. That's on cliffcentral.com right now. Michael assures me the podcast is up. Wow, they really are angry. Okay, so let's get into it. 
Right, guys, if we can just quickly have a little intro of who you guys are and how you're involved in the most fantastic campaign to start 2016. Warwick, we'll start with you. So I'm in the marketing team at Hollard, and this is a property that we were very proud to take over last year for the first time. It was, it was a purple run for the first time last year. Um, we just love it because it speaks to our values. Um, it's got a very serious message, but done in a really fun way, which is really how we try and try and do things. You know, we're in insurance. It's a serious business, but it doesn't have to all be doom and gloom. So we love the property. And so we, we got involved with it uh, two years ago. It was owned by a sister company, um, and we took it over two years ago and, and made it purple. Since the start of this campaign, how many times have you walked into a crowded room in just a speeder? Yeah, more times than I would care to admit. My <laughs> wife hates this time of year when pictures of me in my speedo start appearing all over social media. Um, because as you can tell, if any of you have seen the photos, I'm not exactly in the kind of shape that uh, you would want to be wearing a speedo. No yeah, that no. was the crowd from last year. No, so this, 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 the, the crowd's not turned on you, Warwick. <laughs> Louis van Gaal's in the clear. Okay, quite done. Very much the sounds of the crowd from last year when I was running past, but... Uh, yeah, that's part of the point, really, is it doesn't matter what you look like in a speedo. Um, it's about raising awareness for cancers, in particular cancers that affect men, uh, in, in particular prostate and testicular cancer. Um, it raises money for a great cause. All of the proceeds go to um, cancer for that uh, research into, into men's cancers and, and early testing, really. That's, that's the kind of message that we're trying to get out there. All, all of these cancers, your chances of surviving or of coming out with a better outcome are much better if you test and catch it early. Right. We had, um, we had Mark Pilgrim earlier in the morning show, on the Gareth Cliff show, and he was saying that um, you know, his one ball basically just expanded. And he was 18, and he was just like, well, I'm so shy. Eventually, he went to his mom, and he said it was quite, quite scarring. You know, his mother then cupped his ball and said, look, this isn't good. But we know we've sort of I really love about a campaign like this. It's about awareness that early early detection is the the key here, because Mark was saying it then already then spread to his uh, liver and his lungs. And if every day that he was sitting there basically thinking, you know, this will go away, it doesn't. That your chances of survival are less and less. Exactly, and and the point there is that testicular cancer actually catches men between the ages of fifteen and thirty. Um, you know, cancer is often seen as an old person. You know, older people get it, but it, it's not true. In the case of testicular cancer, it attacks you when you're feeling most vital, actually. Yeah. Well, before we get a little bit more in-depth on as far as, you know, the raising of the funds are getting involved, um, Mike Sharman, you are no stranger to a Speedo whatsoever. Oh, I love a Speedo, and I love a bit of fancy dress. Um, I was even fancy dressing for the Proteas the other day, and they let me down on the Saturday at the Wondrous. Where'd you get dress up as a run? <laughs> No, <laughs> couldn't buy them a run last week. But uh, effectively, I think it's a great campaign. Like Warwick has said, it touches on all the, the positive stuff around male cancers. And like we said earlier, is that you know you aren't immune even if you are young and you feel like you're fit and and virile and all those good things. And I think that the great thing about this event is that it encourages people of all walks of life and people from all around the country to get involved. This year there are five events, so it is a truly national event. And uh, yeah, I mean the great thing is like even people like yourself, Ben. I mean you're not just uh, you know talking the talk you're actually wearing the speedo so here you are in studio looking all buff and after your men's health cover you really yeah, look I've, i let myself go but i'm actually put, putting myself on the line here in my slightly half holiday tanned body but the rest of the staff are never gonna look at me the same seriously i, I walked into the studio and was like oh God. you again yeah well um guys just on the thing you said um so it's not just happening here in johannesburg it's gonna be around the country is this the first year it's been like this or is that how the event started so we've had we've had small satellite events in previous years but this is the first time it's a concerted effort and there are five five venues across the country um they're all taking place at 3 p.m with the exception of nail spray because apparently too bloody hot at 3 p.m so they're going to do that at five but it's 3 p.m on february the 19th uh in Joburg, cape town durban nail spray and, and in george Wow, the fact that you've actually managed to do something in Nelspread and George means that you're onto something here. And it's really great that obviously the, the public have really taken on. Um, so we know like the serious part of cancer. And, you know, this is again going back to the importance of an event like this. Um, do you also provide information? I mean, like where do you guys go for early testing? Cause if you think, if you're going to sign up for this thing, let's go full, full hog here. Let's get the testing done. If you're able-bodied or not, do you guys have information along with the race of where you can go and get tested? So, so what we do is actually your entry entitles you to a PSA test if you're over the age of 40. Now, now PSA test, um, for those of you men that are dreading, uh, that have hit 40 and are dreading the um, DRE 
that is commonly associated with a test for prostate cancer. The good news is there is a non-invasive test. It is an early test, so if it reflects positive, then I'm afraid you have to go through um, a little bit more invasion. Um, but the idea is that with a pinprick, you can tell whether there are specific antigens in your body that are reacting to uh, potential cancer within your cells. One little prick is all it takes, which is fine, rather than a probe. Yeah, little little prick being the op- being the um, correct term at this stage. Okay, Mike, you've obviously been very involved in promoting this. Um, where do guys go about this, and um, what would your message be to them just to kind of drop everything? You know, you get a lot of people nowadays that just like something on Facebook, or they always go next year, or whatever, whatever, or I've been working. What's your message to get guys to actually do this? Yeah, I think it's, like you said, it's the slacktivist mentality. I've given my little digital thumbprint and given you the thumbs up and then I'm done. And I think uh, the great thing about this event, it's easy to get involved. So daredevilrun.com, it's as simple as that, visiting the site. And then there's also a host of social media platforms, Facebook Daredevil Run. And then on Twitter, it's daredevil underscore run as a handle on Twitter. And uh, I think the, the important thing is really to get officers and corporates involved and then for the guys to be running and, and participating and then having the ladies there support and actually showing their support on the day. And I think that's the only way that we can really get the thousands and thousands of people out there hitting the roads is if the whole workplace is involved. And actually, you know, it's, it's like Warwick said, it's, it's their serious elements, but this is about a, a fun run. And the point is it's, it's not about a winner. It's not about, you know, someone winning the race or crossing the finish line first. Like it really is a great opportunity to get out there and get in traffic. The people in the crowds who are in, in traffic on the day generally get supported and get behind it you get a lot of hoots hopefully more positive than negative ones <laughs> and yeah it, it really is there's so many different shapes and sizes and um, we all shapes and sizes here and tanned and not tanned and i think that's the great thing is that you know it is for everyone it's not just for the 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 boy chays who've been hitting the the six month of gym sessions yeah, yeah it's, well it's, it's a 5k it's it's a 5k route um but there's no timing and there's no winner um, and it's about taking your time and enjoying it. If you want to, if you want to run the 5Ks flat out, you can do that. But if you would just want to take a kind of walk run, that's also cool. So, so really there's no excuse. Uh, for anyone not to not and there's guys that have their kids that they bring with them like there's nine-year-olds there's eight-year-olds there's even little babies and prams with miniature little replica speedos where the guys are pushing them uh, through the route so it really is it's a it's a great family event and there's a nice gathering after the event too so everyone can have a little bit of a chill session and uh, reflect on their good run out on the road well, guys, I'm sold. Um, I was from the beginning. It is my first time, and that in itself I feel quite bad about. But I'm I'm speedoed up. We'll be gentle. I've I've got a spare for my training runs. And uh, it's 5K. So even if you aren't in the greatest of shape, don't think that you're going to know. Trust me, there's people with hairier backs. There's people with worse tans. Whatever it may be, whatever your, your sort of insecurities are about running race like this, it's all for a great cause. And you're going to meet so many like-minded people. I think a lot of it's... Try, try and get too serious here, but a lot of this country needs right now is just good positive days. People are actually moving past stagnating conversations and complaints. And the Daredevil um, Run, for me, I think it's something that we should all get involved in. So daredevilrun.com and on Twitter as well, just at Daredevil. They've got all kinds of other social media. Um, Daredevil underscore sorry, run. Yeah, Daredevil underscore Twitters. run. I got it there on the screen there. Thanks, Mike. Sweet. So you've got no excuse, really. It's uh, 24 days and 13 hours to go. Guys, we have to have a long discussion, so I don't have to call it there. But, uh, yeah, it's as simple as that, really. Um, these two guys have braved the cold air conditioning and my criticize, criticizing eye and this audience outside to come and bring you this message today. So the very least you can do is now follow in our footsteps and join us February 19th, 2016. Uh, I mean, even if you live in George, even if you live in George, all you got to do is maybe play some golf and look at a whale from time to time. You can do the dead run as well. Nell Sprite, they're even applying due caution to the fact that it's hotter there in your speedo. So they're going to run at five instead of three. And for the big cities, well, there's no excuse whatsoever. Get involved with that. When we come back, uh, we're going to have James Marsh from, well, an insight that you really, really need into this whole cricket season right now. And where we are going as uh, the Proteas and, of course, where the English are going because, let's be honest, we got beaten by a better team. So we better know more about that. But first, let's know more about new opening by the sensation KG Robata. Oh, wait, this this crowd will not go away. Jeez, they really want Louis Carl out. Okay, well, here we go. Okay, catch back after this. Just my coach, he was my rugby coach, and he encouraged me to try cricket out. But I'd say my grandmother loved cricket a lot, and um, I guess she sort of planted it in my in my head. I enjoy the competitiveness, 
Um, I enjoy the traveling. Sometimes it can get a bit much. I enjoy winning, but sometimes you can learn a lot just from a loss. I enjoy the company of the team and I enjoy making memories. I play cricket because it's something that I love and being around the team and making memories and I find the thrill when you have to take a catch, an important catch or when you have to come on and bowl against the best in the world and when the game is on a cliffhanger, that's, that's what I love a lot. I enjoy being fit, first of all, as a person. Um, it makes you feel good. It improves your, your self-confidence. could improve your mental power. Uh, it just makes you feel better about yourself. And I think you'll portray that, portray that in other things that you do in your life. Well, I have been on tour now. I've been away from home for months at a time and far from home and you do mature a lot, you learn about yourself a lot because you spend a lot of time alone. And this sort of environment requires you to be, to be really professional at what you do, and you, that carries over in, in what you do in your normal day-to-day -day life. I think everyone does, because you, know, you, you want to make this your living, it's your dream, but you know, you learn that you can only control the controllables. Everything else, you, the things that you can't control, you can't control. And you have to make peace with that. But you just need to think positive. The people from Momentum were really kind enough to let us know um, about their, their company and what, what they give back to you for being healthy. And I think it's a very good initiative. With my health returns, I basically store them in my health saver. I don't use them now, but I'll definitely use them in the future. So I see it as an investment. And I definitely would recommend health returns to my friends because it just makes a lot of sense to do that. At Sibanye Gold, we believe leaders are made, not born. We also believe we can create a sustainable legacy by helping to develop tomorrow's leaders today which is why we have partnered with the Leadership Platform to nurture leaders who are committed to growing our country's economy. We are proud to say it's an initiative that's already showing glittering results. Sibanya Gold, we are one. Welcome back. Welcome back to The Bounce Show, Monday, uh, 25th. It doesn't really count because you're listening anyway. If you are listening live, you're welcome to chat to us uh, on the WeChat, just Cliff Central. The, pro the profile there, message to screen. Duncan will get your messages or tweet me at follow the bounce. If you have any questions around the cricket, if you want to have any questions, any questions around the Daredevil run. Uh, and then later on, we've got this really great chat about where, when your child should specialize in sport. Should it be early? Should it be late? Um, yeah, we've got Dan from uh, Conquer Sports joining us for that one. But next up, we've got James. James, can you hear us? I can, Ben. Yes. Hello. Nice to speak to you. Always. I'm, so, I'm sorry to report I'm sitting here in long trousers and a shirt. I didn't realize there was this new skimpy dress code to appear on your show. So sorry about that. Well, I think it's the first and last. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, turns now we've got, we've got, to, see, with this, um, when I've, I used, I've known James quite a while through social media. I uh, just fill you in on this. So I used to have a show back on balls, um, Darren Scott's thing. And uh, we were just talking about cricket from time to time. So now, James, I'm in this fancy new studio, cliffcentral.com. It's, mm. it's amazing. Um, far, far from where you are right now. And um, yeah, same again, really. Just very chill, trying to do something different every single week and have people like yourself to bring insights that we might have missed or just basically <laughs> can never ever think of ourselves. Okay. So oh. fa fa fairly fairly long intro, but uh, James, have you been watching this series? I've got to ask from start, start to finish because nowadays with this, the dark arts of T20 becoming more and more accessible, some people aren't actually watching Test Match Cricket Ball for Ball anymore. No, indeed. Well, yes, it is a very pernicious influence, this T20, bringing in people in their hordes to watch cricket and having them smiling and enjoying themselves repeatedly. It's, it's absolutely rotten. But no, I have, I have, I have followed the series. It's been from an English perspective, obviously 
very successful. But I, I don't actually think you South Africans should be too downhearted with everything that's gone on off the field, considering all that. And of course, you have to remember that it's not traditional for the home side to win these series. I think 2009 was the last time an England and South Africa series was won by the home side. So I'm trying to make you feel a bit better there, Ben. I hope it's working. Well, I would like to say that, but uh, just turn the TV on. And um, wow, two wickets right off the bat, huh? AB's oh, in, really? AB's in the pair and just got stuck twice. Oh. Well, look, James, <laughs> what I really want to chat to you about was about where you see the South African team right now. I mean, AB getting a pair, that's horrendous. When last, that's never happened. Dumini now and North is probably going to go quite soon as well. And James Anderson. See, this is what happens when I give him a stick on Twitter. He comes back firing. <laughs> so what's your whole take on this whole um, South African team right now in a bit of transition? But then obviously the whole captaincy thing was the big headline midway through the series. Um, you know, there's always going to be depth because we've got a pretty decent domestic season. But from your outsider's perspective, what do you reckon is going on? Well, it is interesting. I mean, just how AB first reacted when he got the captaincy. He, he seemed to be about as keen on it as Donald Trump seems to be on rationality and common sense. <laughs> but then he, he then gave a subsequent press conference where he sort of qualified the remarks. He'd, he'd sort of referred to test cricket and then said, oh, we've got a lovely break coming up, which I think was really just a turn of phrase, but people seized on it to suggest that he wasn't... Keen, but he's now said that he does want the job. He's taken over from Hash. But I mean, it's just sort of the worst thing, worst time to take over, obviously, with the injuries to Stain and Philander. I mean, just going into a series without them is like starting a Formula One race without your two front wheels. So it's yeah. always going to be a problem. <laughs> then Hash leaving. Then you obviously had all this stuff bubbling around in the background with the, the quota issue with people casting aspersions on the rumours. So it, I, I, I think you're just going to have to try and put this series to bed and then move on, frankly. Yeah. But, but I, don't, I don't think you, t- you should be too, too pessimistic because there has been some good stuff that's come out of this series. For well, South I think Africa. there's some parallels that can be drawn. If you look at England when they lost a few players, uh, whether they were good or not, you, know, you had a cohesive unit when they got to world number one and then they sort of hit the skids from there a little bit. And um, mm. when, you look, when you look at them now, maybe barring a decent spinner, this is a bloody good side that you, your boys are, are putting together now. And I think the protesters can only look at that and go, well, we haven't completely lost the plot. We've still got some good players, but there's other good players coming through. So as you say, just put this series to bed. But now this is where my big, my big gripe comes in, right? A team like England will go through a transitionary period. They get to blood a few players, and then they get all the fixtures they need to get the momentum up. South Africa go, okay, cool, we've got Temba Bavuma, he's a talent. Quinton the Cock looks like he might bet his way into this team. And then Kakisa Rabada, superstar in the making. Okay, great. Um, well, just hang five, and then in August, New Zealand will come out in your winter when the pitch is going to be dead mm. and useless and nobody cares about cricket. Then you'll play two tests, and then just hang around a bit more because then in December, Sri Lanka will come out with probably a half-assed team. It's difficult to kind of get momentum going, and this is my major gripe right now where the pro tiers are. Am I bitching or is that a fair point? No, I think it is a fair point, but I mean, it's just, it stems from the realities of the game, I suppose, and the finances of it. I mean, you, you can bitch about T20, etc., but it is encroaching ever more. I mean, we've had, we've had series cancelled as, as well in the, in the past, just because it, it, they just simply cannot be fitted in, but obviously with franchise tournaments in, encroaching as well. I think what England, have done well is with players. I think you mentioned Moen Ali there. I think he was the player that maybe we might have lost a couple of years ago to the IPL. He wanted to go and play, but whereas a few years ago we had this almost sort of blanket, very sort of schoolmasterly ban on players going off. This was the root cause of, or one of the root causes of the big Peterson problem. Now sure. Strauss in his new role has just sort of gently take a moan aside and said, well, look, you could go, but, you know, why do you want to jeopardise your career in the, in the longer forms of the game? So, I don't know. One, one part of it is obviously having the fixtures to start with, but secondly, I think England's man management is just far more adult these days than it was at the mm. tail end of the, the Flower and Giles Clark period. 
Well, it, it definitely seems so, but there's some really interesting dynamics that are just bubbling under the surface here. We look at Test cricket, and, you know, India are now the best team in the world, apparently, but away from <laughs> away from home, I mean, Bangladesh is on even money to do, do better than them. Um, you've got Australia and England obviously play a huge amount of tests, especially when they have Ashes seasons. And then um, Pakistan play a bit in the UAE. It's just it's interesting how every team almost has their own gripe or bugbear around the system. And also then some of them have some sort of bonus. But I think India comes off here smelling like roses purely because I actually don't know. I mean, how do they get a world number one if they only have any, have any away wins? Mm, I'm not sure. Well, this is something that people have been talking about, that there is no extra weighting given for away wins. And I, I think there is a there is a perception that there, there aren't that. I think certainly there haven't been that many away wins in Test cricket uh, recently. But it's I, I don't know. It does seem slightly absurd. I don't know if this was a subclause in the sort of big three trade-off that one of the big three has to be at number one in, in the format. So or or, or a, a home win counts for an away win as well. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. I mean, they are... They are they are baff- I mean, I always used to think that the, the FIFA world rankings were the most baffling world rankings in sport, not least because England seemed to be in the top 10, which was faintly ludicrous. But- and, and Wales were like 14. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, they always seemed to throw up these anomalies, but cricket now seems to be giving them a run for their money. So I don't know. I think that's perhaps something that the, the, the media perhaps needs to have an investigation well, yeah. into just... Yeah, I mean, Ian, Ian Botham made the point over the weekend, and with that, he became relevant again since he put, he put his todger on Twitter. And he was just saying that there's got to be extra waiting for away away victories. Um, you know, you kind of look at where South Africa was. They didn't lose an away series for, for like eight, nine years or whatever. And rightly so, they were number one for a long, long time. So mm. like, something has to happen, but you just, you just can't trust it. But anyway, let's get back to some positive things. Let's talk about your boys, because... I don't think they've been given enough credit. You know, we are in South Africa right now. Everyone is just so consumed by how dire everything is, whether it's the rand, whether it's racial mm. uprising, whether it's the cricket or AB just getting a pair. You know, there is so much to hate around here. We've almost lost sight of the fact that this England team is far from terrible. Let's just go through that. that <laughs> let's just go through that top five at the moment. Um, the first red flag would be this opening partnership. You guys haven't been able to stem that at the moment. And now Compton mm. is almost like an opening plus batsman. So you've actually pl- you're playing three openers, mm. which is a curious thing. But I mean, so far so good as a semi-if platform. Is there a solution there though? Well, it, it is interesting just looking at Hales. I'm a big fan of him. It was almost sort of surprising he came in to the team at this particular time, he was just the sort of next off the carousel of openers that we've had. And I think there is a slightly different standard applied to a player like Hales. He's made his name coming through the shorter forms. When you had Lithe nicking off all last summer through the ashes, he was getting good balls. When it was Hales, obviously, it's, it's him misjudging things and you know it is true I mean his hands have been harder than a corpse at times he's he's launched into some of the most misjudged drives since President Kennedy set off in Dallas in 1963 but having said that I, I mean I'm not giving up on Hales there is an awful lot of hate to him but I and I think this is actually going to be a management thing like Bayless you know they are going to have to try and get him to somehow (laughs) I still believe his natural game can be successful there will be people hearing that and laughing at that because people think he's just utterly unable to cope with the new ball at pace and and moving but I mean the idea was that he would come in and he would be our sort of saywag figure you know playing these great sort of blustering innings at the top of the order now he's certainly replicated saywag's footwork in some of these test matches, but he hasn't done it with the, the genius hand-eye coordination. Yeah, he doesn't quite hitting. have that. So, but we'll see. And I guess it is a bit difficult for him. I mean, I, it's, Compton himself can feel that he was hard done by being dropped back in the time. But but he's coming. He's at number three. So it must be quite difficult for for Hales playing, knowing that the guy that's probably gets a step up and take your position in the side is actually coming in every time 
that you nick off. So that, that's quite an interesting dynamic. For <laughs> it really is. We'll see. Now, the middle order is pretty good, and Joe Root's definitely shown that he is now of the same class as a Steve Smith, a Kane Williamson. Um, it's a group that's now lost a player. AB's no longer in that group. So it, it is looking great. If, if, if you guys can just strengthen that up, I think it's a really phenomenal team going forward. Uh, Seema speak for themselves. I, I think Stephen Finn has shown again that there's a guy who is much better than people give him credit for. Broad, mm. Broad will, I mean, who cares if Broad goes for five and over for two or three sessions? The thing with him is, as he showed in the Ashes when he got eight, um, he can come in and he can rip an entire team in about five overs. Yeah. And it really is a quality thing. The spinner, though. Now, of course, there was a few guys that were given a go in the UAE on the slower pitches. But again, nothing really sticks. It's almost like that, well, we've got Mo and Ali. You know, is, is that something the team needs to address or am I just being too critical? Uh, I'm not sure. I think Moen gets a bit of a rough deal for his for his actual bowling, partially because, you know, his batting has been so good. He was unlucky, completely played out of position, you know, going back to the, the open oak carousel. He was just stuck in in the UAE. It was unfortunate there, you know, you had Adil Rashid came in. I think he took a five for in the match that England very nearly won. But he's and he's gone away. I mean, I'm, I'm someone who believes there is far more format fluidity, if you will. So Rashid has gone to the Big Bash now, and he's done incredibly well playing for Adelaide, playing in front of these big crowds. And you know, I think he can take that in good stead. Coming well, maybe not playing in front of big crowds, sadly in Test cricket at the moment, but he can certainly taste, take that experience and bring it back into the international. Set up. He's going to be. He's in the T20 and ODI squad for the series we've got coming up against you. But yeah, I think he'll certainly come back. Okay. I think for the for the English. Some. I think we've got Sri Lanka. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you at, do. At home. So yeah, we'll see how he how he goes there. But I think he'll certainly be back in the mix at some stage for Test. Okay, well, according to um, ICC and Whitton rules, I can't have an interview about English cricket and not mention KP. So, um, <laughs> is there any merit in bringing him back for that World T20? Well, we, don't, we know it's not going to happen, but people are still saying, you know, it's worth having him there to galvanize a decent young side. Do you think so? Absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, is, it would be the final stage in the ECB showing. They, Joel's Clark told us, well, we have to move on. Well, look, it would be the final stage in the ECB showing that they have moved on. Everything about the ECB now is that they are more adult. We're speaking about how they treated Moen. They're encouraging players to go and play in these franchise tournaments. Just everything about the setter. Otis Gibson, the bowling coach. You know, everything about them, it seems to be more treating players like adults. And I think... I think there is this internal conflict with Strauss, with KP, because he did offer this sort of bizarre olive branch that you can come and mentor the, the players in the shorter forms, but you can't actually play yourself. So, you know, there is this just hint of regret with Strauss. He's treated me so badly, but I still love him. He's yeah. still got feelings for Peterson. I know he has. It is very unlikely he'll come back, but... It's I like, don't know. He's been exceptional in all the T20 tournaments he's played in. And the other thing I would say about KP, everyone says that, you know, he's hated among his teammates. To me, that's not been apparent in these T20 teams he's played in. And also, for someone who's meant to be such an arrogant monster, whenever you hear him mic'd up speaking to the commentators, he seems to be quite self-effacing. I'm not saying he is self-effacing, but I'm saying he comes across as quite self-effacing. He is prepared to laugh at himself. Maybe that is something that's come a little bit with age. So I don't know. It won't happen, but it would be fantastic. Okay, James. Well, well, now, you know, when I, when I tag this podcast on Twitter, I'm going to say, Kevin Peterson fan, <laughs> James Marsh, says this. James, this <laughs> That's unfortunately all the time we got for now. Uh, but yeah, let, let's chat close to that T20 World Cup. I think that's when all the eyes of cricket world will be interested again. Because as much as the T20, okay. people, right, yeah, people say what they, okay. people say what they want. The but, um, test, but nice to speak to you again. Yeah, people say what they want about that T20 World Cup. But when it comes on, people are still going to watch. So let's uh, let's have a chat again then. Okay, Ben. All right. All right. Thanks nice for time, James. Bye-bye. Cheers, Bye. man. Bye-bye. That was James. Uh, if you want to find James at Pavilion Opinion.
now uh, on Twitter. Otherwise, yeah, that's pretty much his best. He writes a whole bunch of really, really great stuff. So get onto that and you'll learn a thing or two, I promise. Really, really insightful guy. Right, time is flying as always. Uh, Dan's just taking a seat. So we're going to talk about um, specializing in sports as, as a child. Now, it's a pretty good topic because it touches on something I've always believed in that nowadays I think it's a fair idea having a kid just for sporting purposes. So while we intro, while Dan gets comfy, I'm just going to play a little bit of this from a kid that was definitely made for money, sporting money. This is Eldrick Tiger Woods, and Eldrick is an accomplished golfer. He wins tournaments on a regular basis and has shot close to par on 18-hole courses. Incredibly, Tiger here is only five years old. On the team, we have the 9 o'clock starting group, the youngest contestant ever. He's five years old, Eldrick Tiger Woods. On a golf course, Tiger has the kind of poise and confidence that would be the envy of most golfers ten times his age. His knowledge of the game is truly amazing. Tiger has an overall concept of strategy right now. I pointed him down the left side of the fairway as an overall concept. Then he implemented that concept repeatedly right down the, right down the fairway. And as we uh, approach the hole... Yeah, all right, all right. Creepiest music ever to basically say that you've made your child into a golf slave. Uh, when Tiger first came on the scene, sorry, Dan, morning, by the way. How's it? Yeah, good to have you here. Uh, Tiger came on the scene, everyone was like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing in sport. This kid's like a golfing phenom. He's just going to be amazing. He's going to win everything. He's going to break every record possible. And everyone was thinking, like, how is it possible? And um, from the age of 18 months, apparently, he was given like a cut down putter just to go and play with. And he was playing around with it. And then he was on the golf course. Like, go onto the YouTube right now, type in Frank Tarkenton and Tiger Woods. It's a pretty, it's like a four and a half minute thing. Um, it's basically. Well, when he was about six months old. His dad talking with creepy music in the background. But it's very interesting stuff there. Just young Tiger hitting a ball around. Now, the reason we're bringing this up. Uh, well, Dan, do you want to intro this? About this great topic that you sent me on through on Friday. Yeah, so. Um I guess Tiger's dad was was right, wasn't he? He uh, everything that you said, all all the talk of of him breaking records and becoming one of the best golfers, if not the best golfer, that was completely right. But um, the article I wrote um, kind of starts with what if it was tennis instead of golf, or what if it was swimming, or what if it was anything else? Um, basically, we talk about early versus late specialization, and Tiger, like Andre Agassi, like the Williams sisters. They are probably the best examples of early specialization. So they they invested everything they had, every single ounce of sporting talent they had, they invested it in one sport. And it paid off for them. But the argument against that is that for every Tiger Woods that you hear about and becomes a superstar, there are millions of people out there that invested all, all the talent they had in one sport and didn't get anything in return for that. So while it's... It's, it's, it's a, it's a theory on success. And while, while we look at these guys as, as examples, um, if you're going to invest your talent, that's certainly not what you should do. Yeah, it makes an interesting argument. Um, I've, I've forgotten the, the guy's name now, but there's this young American at the moment. He's about 16. Uh, he's about 5'10 and he plays football basically, but he, he's gone to this like special school and he's like, he's built. Okay. So he's an absolute rock of this team, but, uh, there's a chance that he might not grow past six foot two or whatever right like every day he trains but it's like doing big weights though he's doing weights that like super rugby players can't even do and he's 16 okay but he's also then he tries to lengthen his spine every night in this special machine wow but all his eggs are in this one basket which is nfl right so so if, if that is the case i mean he's what what a waste of sports and talent sure he might he might grow and might become a superstar um Michael Balderson at the, the Golf School of Excellence, um, he's a golf coach, a former golfer himself. He speaks of physical literacy. Mm-hmm. And essentially what that is is that by playing a variety of sports, you develop your physical literacy, the, the basics of coordination, of movement, of agility. You, you, you learn that through a variety of sports. So when you finally do invest in that one sport, you've got other sports to fall back on. So what he says is that it's the first question he asks any any parent when they come to his school, you know, and they want to they want to invest their child in, into a golf school. 
what other sports does he play? Because the ability to hit a golf ball might come from hitting a cricket ball. The rotation of the spine might come from, from hitting a tennis ball. It might even just come from swimming or, or running. So if you, if you have that physical literacy and you, and you build that up, when you realize that one share or one, one sport is, is going to bloom, then you can pull all your, all the talent out from the other sports and invest it in that one sport. Yeah, well, it's, look, let's just talk the random sense of this, right, to give you some understanding of what I think is the mindset for many a parent out there when sure. a child comes out. Wayne Rooney had another boy over the weekend. Oh, uh, nice. And I've got three boys. Let's just look at the OBW Championship played over the weekend, right? Young Brandon Stone, he just won the SA Open. He, right. did, he did that. He won 2.3 million rand. A little under the radar, tied 26th, right? 388,674 rand. Ricky Fowler won that tournament for a weekend's work, 7.8 million rand. It's very easy to say, parents to say, I want my kid to get into golf. He's going to play golf. He's going to do a tiger. He's going to swing that club forever. I'm going to homeschool him. He's not going near a rugby field. But what you're saying is actually right because you've got to learn various things. Sure, you can swing and swing and swing. But Tiger is obviously a huge one in a billion kind of player. A guy like Jordan Spieth, he didn't play from early on. Greg Norman, I think, picked up at what, 16? At 16, yeah. But well, you, you can look at a guy like Rory McIlroy. Rory McIlroy was, was hitting a golf ball like Tiger Woods at the age of two, but that wasn't the only thing he was doing. He was yeah. also playing soccer. He was also playing, um, you know, running around with his mates on the garden. He still plays soccer. I mean, wasn't he injured from the Masters last year from playing soccer? But so couldn't defend the Open. Yeah, it, it, it was at the Open exactly. So, so while you can you can invest a lot in a sport early on, like Rory McIlroy or like Tiger Woods, the point of specialization is that don't make it your only thing that you do. Um, I mean, because j- just from a psychological point of view, you, you might get burnout. Um, we quoted a Danish study um, that took a, a bunch of elite athletes that had won Olympic medals um, versus athletes that didn't quite make it towards the elite but were still part of the Danish sports program. Mm-hmm. And they found that the athletes that didn't quite make it actually had put more training hours up until the age of 18 than the, than the ones that went on to win medals. Right. And – after the age of 18, the ones that went on to win medals overtook them in terms of training hours. And one explanation for that is, is that the psychological burnout from investing so much in one sport and having, and being forced to play like Tiger Woods was or like Andre Agassi was to play the sport. By the time they got to an age where they could make their own decision, they thought, oh, you know, to hell with this. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. This is not what I want. And they kind of slacken a little bit. So. Never mind, never mind from a talent point of view, from a psychological point of view, forcing your child to play golf because you want him to, to be an elite golfer is not the way to do it. If, if you really wanted him to be an elite golfer, encourage him to play a lot of golf, but also encourage him to play something else. But also, you, you develop like a mental steeliness that can come from having to face a fast bowler or sure, trying sure. to bat out a, a, a draw or something like that. Exactly. The slips. Exactly. Being part of a losing team. I mean, that, that might help you in, in, uh, in individual sports like tennis or golf and just learning how to cope with different things that maybe aren't in your control. Yeah. Another great example about the whole specializing thing was Herschel Gibbs. There was a guy with more talent than anyone. Right. There was a time when a high-performance sort of roadshow came to this country and Herschel Gibbs was apparently tested at having the same experience explosive speed and and jump launch as a Carl Lewis in wow. the same age. Okay. So there was many options there, but the thing is he would have definitely got that from having to take a gap as a fly half in school. Sure. He would have had to get there from running quick singles. He also played football. So there's another prime example. But I think um, the most important thing, and what you must do is you must read this thing from start to finish, because as I said last week, uh, Dan writes some very insightful uh, blogs on the Conquer Sport. So if you just go to conquersport.com, uh, the blog section there, um, was I getting at? Uh, the whole thing about um, socializing as well. I think that plays a massive role because if you're sitting there and you're just churning away, churning away, you become so inept at other things. That, so when you have a bad week, uh, that movie Blades of Glory, yeah, the ice, the ice skating, sure, sure. there's a prime example. Okay? So you don't win. All you know is that you have to win, but when you don't, how do you deal with that? If you've got no social skills, team sport develops this for you very, very quickly. If you've got no social skills, you become so morbid if you don't win, suddenly it plays in your mind so actively you have no social skills to develop the alternative. Right. And that, and, that, and as you said, that can come from any sport. I mean, likewise, if you play other sports, there might be something that to take your mind off that particular sport. When Rory McIlroy needs to, needs to come away from golf but still wants to feel like he's playing sport, he plays soccer with his mates. Jacques Cullis, if he had a bad test match, could go and play golf with, the, with his mates because, so he, true. because he had developed that. So not only does, does late specialization give you that, that physical literacy as well as the the mental advantages without running the risk of, of, of burnout. It just gives you an escape. And it just, I mean, Tiger Woods doesn't care about any other sports. Um, 
But if he, if, for example, if he played basketball, he could just turn on the TV and he, he'd have that interest in it because he'd grown up playing the sports. It just gives you an, an out and just another outlet, I guess. Yeah, I think there's a lot of regret that goes into it. If you read um, the Hank Haney book, which obviously is quite, well, you'd, some might say one-sided in places, uh, because Tiger was golf, 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 he almost felt that he was less of an athlete, so therefore he had to always justify his injuries. So he would go up to someone like Charles Barkley and go, you know, how's the season going? He'll be like, you know, my knee's playing up, mm. um, trying to get back in the gym and all that kind of stuff. Rather than just being, I'm a golfer, you know, I'm happy with whatever, I've got any injury. A lot of the injuries were sort of made worse by the fact that he was doing weights and he was trying to be a Navy SEAL. But but also maybe it was made worse by the fact that he didn't have that physical literacy. He didn't, you know, physical literacy doesn't just give you the coordination. It gives you the, you know, that core strength that might not develop in, in golf. I mean, if you if you only can hit a ball on one plane, there are particular muscles in your body that aren't really developed naturally that you have to kind of hit the German. Tiger was, has always been a great athlete, but maybe he kind of overcompensated in the gym because he... He realized that golf well, is there we go. exactly yeah, it's, and he was overcompensating with the call girls as well, <laughs> and all those knee injuries. I mean, that guy he was a skinny kid, huh? Yeah. When, yeah. when he came on the scene, I know in the nineties they wore baggy shirts because that was the style, but he was skinny. Yeah. So suddenly you're adding ten kilograms of muscle. It's all the same knee. The knee hasn't built up in that. You've got that through squatting and working in a certain plane in the gym. Right. But again, a couple of seasons playing football back in the day would have definitely helped. Exactly, especially especially at that young age when when your development is so important. Well, Dan, between you being in the studio and um, a few bobs here and there, I reckon we can just solve everything in sports. So if you do have a child and you want him to be a professional sports star, give him a full run at everything. Don't ever specialize too much. There's only one Tiger Woods out there. There's only one Wayne Gretzky. There's only one... Andre Agassi. Uh, I was going to say Lance Armstrong. That's awkward. Uh, yeah, Andre Agassi. If you read his book as well, mm. then you realize that maybe this isn't the best thing. Of course, his dad was a psycho and also, also gave him drugs to perform faster sure. and harder. And then he hated him and the sport. Steffi Graf, same thing. Anyway, we have to wrap it up there. Um, again, uh, as the weeks go on, I think my time management will get slightly better. But thanks for joining me today. If you didn't catch all of it, the podcast will be up on thebounce.co.za within the hour or go on to cliffcentral.com and find the Bounce Show page Dan, where can we find uh, – you're quite active on the Twitter, huh? Yeah, well, we got um, at Conquer Sports. That's C-O-N-Q-A. And uh, you can also find me at Daniel Gallen. Um, but, yeah, we we, uh, we post our articles. We, we offer insights. We share opinions. Um, so, yeah, give us a give us a follow and a like. Lekker. And Dan will be back next week with something even more insightful. That's it for me. That's it for Duncan. Big thanks to my guests, the ones that were enclosed, the ones that weren't. And uh, yeah, same again Monday, 10 a.m. SA time. Otherwise, catch the podcast. Catch you then. This is cliffcentral.com.